0: Your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM.
1: Hi, I'm Kenny Coogan. Join Annie Ellis and myself as we co-host the Sustainable Living Show here on your community-supported radio station, WMNF Tampa. On Sustainable Living, we bring you conversations with local experts on sustainable topics.
2: Please come share with us every Monday morning at 11 in our talks about alternative energy sources, organic gardening, farming, and everything in between. Sustainability is a balance of people, profit, and planet. Together, we will make a difference.
3: The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello, my little
4: buddies, and welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Today, his topic of discussion will be the body's endocannabinoid system and Mother Nature's cannabis. You are invited to participate in this discussion, or if you have any medical questions, by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Well, good morning, Dr. Fred. Today you want to talk to us about the body's endocannabinoid system. With my medical degree from Google University, I know that the endocannabinoid system, or ECS, is found throughout the brain and nervous system of all mammals, affecting mood, memory, stress, and plays a role in the body's nervous system, glands, immune cells, and, of course, the brain. How the endocannabinoid system does all this seems more intricate, beautiful, and complicated than Chinese arithmetic. Well, Dr. Harvey, I'll give you 50 minutes to tell me more.
3: Thank you for that great intro, Bill. It's another beautiful day in Florida. Yes, what a deep day to experience this beauty and understand that our cannabis comes from this beauty. Mother Earth provides us with all we need. And this is a really interesting plant. Last week, we talked about the plant, the history of why it became difficult to access. And this week, I want to talk about how it works in our body. In 1990. The first cannabinoid receptor was determined in a rat. And since 1990, we have been discovering more and more about this fascinating system, this communication system in the body, the endocannabinoid system, and how it works to coordinate and modify how our body responds to things. The physiology affected by it is everywhere. Um, It affects immunology, psychology, uh, has effects in cancer, oncology. It affects the appetite. It affects digestion. It affects perception of pain. It helps to modify inflammation, helps to shift the mood, and it affects memory, sometimes to the detriment. Um, But that is not its major issue. Since 1970s, uh, the National, National Institutes of Health has only funded negative research, trying to find out how it's toxic, because that's the way the system works, to try and damn something that isn't damnable, so to speak. Um, and yet, despite that, outside of our nation, in other countries, it's being studied because it's not considered a banned substance, um, <clears throat> Please, remember, write to your congressman, write to your senator, write to the president, and write to the DEA and tell them to remove this from the schedule. It is not a drug. It shouldn't be on the classified narcotics schedule. They're thinking of taking it from Schedule 1, banned, to Schedule 2, which is the same level of um Uh, oxycontin, and um, other very addictive medications. It needs to be dropped off the schedule. It's not addictive. So the endocannabinoid system consists of three different chemicals that we know of so far. They're called neuromodulators because they alter the way our nervous system and our immune system responds. There are two receptors so far that have been defined specifically for the endocannabinoid system, um, the CB1 and CB2 receptors, but there are also a couple of other areas of stimulation or inhibition that occur with these, and we'll talk about that a bit later. The neuromodulating chemicals are known as anandamide. Ananda is a Sanskrit word that means bliss. So this is the bliss chemical. It's also abbreviated AEA. Um, Two-arachidonoyl, A-R-A-C-H-I-D-O-N-O-Y-L, glycerol, is also known as 2-A-G, better to call it 2-A-G than that. Um, And the other one is palmitoethanolamide. And these chemicals are very interesting, and they have different effects, AEA, anandamide, works on the, primarily on CB1 receptors in the central nervous system in the brain, and it helps to induce a state of bliss. 2AG works on CB2 on the immune cells. Much of the CB2 receptors are peripheral in the immune. PEA, um, the phenyl or palmitoethanolamide, enhances the effect of anandamide using something called the entourage effect. Entourage means synergy in this case. Um, And so when the things work together, they get better results. And um, these endocannabinoids um, actually have a very interesting way of working together to feed back onto the excitatory part of the brain that gets you agitated and calm it down. So you can calm down agitation. Mental agitation is actually consistent with physiologic agitation too, so it will also work to reduce inflammation. The um, phytocannabinoids that we have discovered in cannabis stimulate these receptors. Certain phytocannabinoids have been described pretty well. THC and CBD, tetrahydrocannabinol and cannabidiol are the most well studied but we're learning more and more about others and we'll talk about those but THC that's the most psychologically active of these chemicals CBD modulates the effect of THC and has some of its own anti-inflammatory activities um, THC reacts mostly at the CB1 receptor in the central nervous system and CBD doesn't have much affinity for that but it does have a little CBD's great Property is that it actually decreases the destruction of our endogenous, meaning made within the body, anandamide. So our own reserves of anandamide are conserved when we take CBD, and thus increase our inflammation, anti-inflammation effect, and and uh, decrease our agitation. Cannabidiol binds to another receptor called the TRPV1 receptor, and TRPV1 is a nerve pain receptor, and it's also known as the capsaicin receptor. I don't know if you've heard about putting hot pepper extract on your skin to reduce pain, but it definitely works. And so it works through this TRPV1 receptor where CBD does, so it'll decrease the amount of stimulation. And CBD stimulation. Uh, releases 2AG, which also activates CB1 and CB2. So it's a really complex interaction and it's like a symphony. Different parts of it will help other parts of it play better and and, and sound better to your internal listening tools. And to go further into it, um, CB1 receptors are associated with the brain. And the amygdala, where we have our fight-or-flight response system, the CB1 receptor can help to stop that fight-or-flight response. In the basal ganglia, there is reactivity similar to this amygdala. Um, The CB1 receptor in the brainstem actually controls nausea. And so that's how cannabinoids became a nausea remedy. The cerebellum deals with balance and people that do... Too much THC might have problem with balance. In the hippocampus, it works on short-term memory. Now, a lot of people have forgotten what they were going to go get the munchies for when they were heading for the kitchen because they've done a little too much THC. And um, in the hypothalamus, we have control of appetite and sexual gratification. In the neocortex, that's the white matter, that's where we think. Um, And then the nucleus accumbens, reward, pleasure, Um, um, we get um, um, a a, a dopamine-like effect there to make us happy. Spinal cord, um, this is where we get pain reduction for organ pain, like pain from the uterus or pain from the gastrointestinal tract or the uh, genitourinary tract. Um, It'll help to calm that. And um, CB2 is on leukocytes. Those are the white blood cells. B cells, natural killer cells, mast cells, all have CB2 receptors, Part, other parts of the uh, peripheral system, the spleen, a, a home for many of our lymphocytes, uh, has lots of CB2 receptors to help with guiding response to inflammation. Peripheral nerves have CB2 receptors also. And this works towards regulation of cytokines, the molecules of inflammation communication, helps to control pre-programmed cell death called apoptosis and helps to control the smooth muscle in the gut and bladder to help stop spasms. And I think it would be a good time to pause to station ID and give out the number.
4: Absolutely. Clever thing to do. And tell folks that they're listening to Dr. Fred on the Healthy Steps radio show. Topic today is Mother Nature's Cannabis. And you can participate by calling 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmf.org. And you can text us at 813-433-0885. Back to you, Dr. Harvey.
3: Thank you, Bill. So a little bit about endocannabinoid metabolism. There is an interesting enzyme called fatty acid amide hydrolyze, FAAH. It degrades our internal endocannabinoids. It takes, gets rid of um, AEA, um, anandamide. And um, this enzyme can be admit, uh, inhibited um, by uh, certain foods. One thing that's really nice is that chocolate contains AEA. And so that's one of the reasons we like chocolate, because it gives us a sense of bliss. Um, acetaminophen. Tylenol blocks the reuptake of AEA, um, and thus it keeps the concentrations of the anandamide close to the receptors, giving us that stimulation to uh, actually increase analgesia. This is probably how Tylenol works through the endocannabinoid system. Um, also, anandamide is the primary, uh, uh, primarily uh, the CB1 central. Secondarily, it does peripheral. Um And 2-AG does both receptors. And so it gets really to help balance the system. And both are highly inflammatory for the brain. Um, We see a lot of inflammation. And there's a lot of people at risk for inflammation these days. And we've seen that there are a lot of people that respond poorly to the COVID virus. And also to the COVID long-haul potential syndrome. And I would posit that part of this is due to something that we have discovered, a clinical endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. And this is basically a situation in which you have depleted your own internal stores of these fabulous chemicals that actually help to stimulate um, anti-inflammatory effect. And so we can do some things to support the endocannabinoid deficiency. And I'll talk about that um, after we talk to one of our callers. Yes, I've got Gary from Clearwater and Betty from St. Pete on the
4: line, but I kind of want to jam up the phones today. You've got a great topic going here, and I think folks should call on in to 813-239-9663 to join Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa and the Healthy Step show and continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. Okay, Gary's been waiting patiently. Let's get him on the line. Hey, Gary.
5: Why, hello. Hello, and good morning. Good morning. I, I know I've been listening to uh, cannabis and all that, for, but I, I have another question for you. Not about cannabis, because I'm at a blood dinner, and I was wondering what good what foods I shouldn't eat on a blood dinner, but what foods are better for you while, while taking a blood dinner?
3: Well, actually, that's an interesting question, Gary. Um, Blood thinners do – it depends on what blood thinner you're taking. In the past, warfarin, Coumadin, worked through the liver and on the vitamin K system. And so uh, foods that had vitamin K would interfere with the warfarin and its effect. However, the uh, clinical research has shown that it's actually better to eat the foods that you love and adjust your warfarin dose to the foods that you love while at the same time taking a daily dose of vitamin K to keep the system balanced and reduce the risk of any kind of bleeding complications. The other um, newer um, blood thinning medications don't seem to be affected by food. And so I don't think there are any bad foods except for the ones that actually are proffered as food in our nation today. You know, like that stuff you get at those fast fake food restaurants and, um, you know, all the other processed junk that they pass off as edible. Um, so Gary, I think, uh, um, there should be no problem with you using cannabis while you're doing your blood thinners also.
5: Okay. And, um, and should it be taken up by like a fish oil?
3: Well, I think everybody should be eating, um, some oily fish like sardines and salmon on a regular basis. Fish oil is a really great way to get some extra if you don't have enough on board.
5: Okay. Well, thank you.
3: You're welcome.
4: All right. Good stuff from Gary. Like hearing from him. Yes. Got, got Betty from St. Pete down the line here. Hey there, Betty.
6: Hi. Good morning. Um, good morning. I was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. And, uh-huh. you know, mostly the, the symptom is the tremor in my right side, my right hand. And I've been doing medical marijuana lightly for quite a while. And there's a a, a bit of. Um, discussion between the neurologist and the psychiatrist, etc., whether I should still do it. I don't, you know. I'm able to have a couple of tokes before I go to sleep to relax. And I just wonder what your take is on um, medical marijuana and um, Parkinson's. It's, you know, I'm taking carbidopa and levodopa, a light dose.
3: Hmm. So uh, I, just I think
6: what the mix is. Yes,
3: yeah. So Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative illness. It's inflammation of the brain, and we want to protect the brain from inflammation while you have this ongoing to prevent further degradation of the system. And this brings me back around, <coughs> excuse me, to the clinical endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. Um, when you actually have a diet that doesn't support the production of the endocannabinoids, or you have um, activities that reduce the endocannabinoids, you end up with trouble. And so um, some of the things that show up actually are irritable bowel syndrome, migraines, and other degenerative diseases, including neurologic degenerative diseases. So foundationally, we need to eat that rainbow of plant-based foods um, Mm -hmm. and also get a really good quality of oils into the body. We don't want to be using lots of seed-based oils. We want to be using um, uh, oils that support the system, like m- medium-chain triglycerides, coconut oil, um, uh, ghee. Um, and we need to eat a really good, um, um, low-processed diet because the processed foods actually contribute to brain degeneration. Gluten will contribute to it, sugar will contribute to it, and all the processed grains that are high glycemic index are bad for the brain. So if we can support with a broad base of Um, uh, good vegetable foods, good oils will support this system. And then medical cannabis does have a place in neurodegenerative diseases and you're using it appropriately. If you're having difficulty sleeping, you want to use a little bit of THC to sleep at night. But we want to take Uh CBD on a daily basis for any neurologic degenerative condition because we want to reduce the inflammation and CBD does the best job of that. And so Uh it also helps to improve REM sleep. So I would use CBD with THC every day um, as much as even 100 milligrams a day is a really good anti-inflammatory dose.
6: Huh? I'm I'm following not not religiously, but I'm following the plant paradox diet. So I'm eating mm-hmm. lots, lots of greens and coconut oil and well you name it. I'm staying away from red meat and processed food. So I think I'm doing the right thing. But um, and I take fish. I don't milk. think
3: I don't think red meat is a bad thing for your brain. I think eating too much of the standard feedlot red meat is a bad thing. Pasture raised and grass finished beef is the best way to eat red meat. But all of these things are good. And if you stick to that uh, type of diet, the plant paradox is a very good diet, basically. So yes, that will support your endocannabinoids.
6: Okay. Well, I really think you've answered my question so well. Thank you.
4: Great. Thank you. Well, we got an all-star lineup now. I've got Christina from St. Pete, Rose from Plant City, and Patrice on the line. So let's go to Christina right now. Hey, Christina.
7: Good morning. Uh, Hi there. Hi. So I was recently diagnosed with EPI, and I'm on a very restrictive diet and, of course, no alcohol. I did start recently taking medical marijuana to help with insomnia. Um, and also, every now and then I get a flare from the EPI. It's pretty rare because the creon seems to be controlling it quite well and the restricted diet I'm on. But my, my question is, you know, given that the pancreas is responsible for digesting everything, even with the creon, is it dangerous um, for the pancreas to be ingesting THD? Um, It helps me feel better, but I just know everything goes to the pancreas now that I have this condition.
3: So um, you've been labeled with what I believe is exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, meaning that your pancreas is not putting out enough enzymes to help digest your food. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so um, that is not necessarily a static condition. Pancreatic insufficiency occurs when the pancreas is inflamed. Things that inflame the pancreas include gluten, sugar, and all of the artificial ingredients that occur in processed foods. And I think that um, taking CBD and THC actually modulate that inflammation and would be beneficial for this condition. But I think a, an anti-inflammatory diet like the um, Walls diet or the um, uh, previously mentioned uh, Gundry um, uh, uh, lectin type diet, um, the plant paradox, these are very good things to look at to help support the system when you're having trouble like that. I think that you can recover your pancreas Um depending on what injured it and you might want to look at what toxins might be injuring it
7: okay excellent is there any type of test for that because my gastro has kind of just said no it's just damaged and we don't know why you're idiopathic
3: yeah idiopathic that means the idiot doesn't know the pathology Yes, and I so I, agree. I, <laughs> um, agree. I, think, I think really you need to find a good functional medicine doctor because we use a wide range of testing that isn't ever considered by general doctors or even subspecialists. Okay. Excellent.
7: All right. Thank
4: you so much. You're so welcome. Okay. Yeah, but God forbid Christina gets the munchies and starts eating her Oreos and things like that. <laughs> Let's go to Rose in Plant City. Hey there, Rose.
8: Hi, bro. hi, Doctor Harvey.
4: Good morning.
8: I, I, I have a question for you. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I also have Parkinson's and mm-hmm. lymphedema, and I have. Uh, it seems like I get everything that comes down the pipe. What can I do? I, I take all kinds of good. I eat all kinds of good uh, fruit, vegetables, and use olive oil and coconut oil and everything in between, and I still have problems.
3: That's a difficult question. So um, do you eat gluten? Uh, gluten is in bread, right? Gluten is wheat products, barley, rye, spelt, kamut. Yes, breads, pastas. Yeah, I only
8: eat a couple pieces a day. I like that.
3: That's enough to poison yourself. Um, it takes three weeks for your gut to heal from a gluten injury. Anybody who has rheumatoid arthritis or any other degenerative disease like parkinson's disease really should consider an anti-inflammatory diet one of my favorites is so easy to find on the internet it's called the walls diet w a h l s apostrophe oh, okay. terry walls has a pyramid the new food pyramid and the food wow. pyramid starts with 9 cups of fruits and vegetables and it has lots of lean protein meat fish etc but it eliminates eggs grains beans, and all processed foods from the diet. Well, I
8: thought beans were good for you, but I guess they're not.
3: Well, in certain instances, they're not. And to clean up a body that's really struggling in light of this kind of stuff, you need to eliminate those things to clean up the system and see if you can get better.
8: Okay. Thanks a lot,
3: Doug Harvey. Best wishes, Rose.
4: All right. And Patrice, she's been very patient. Hey, good morning there, Patrice.
2: Okay. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Um, hi. Thank you so much for this wonderful show, Doctor Harvey. Um, I recently did a Gut Zoomer um, four hundred dollars stool test that really um, yeah concentrated one, and the functional medicine doctor shared with me that I, she thinks I have SIBO S I D O. and yes. I just want to know if what your opinion is if if uh, marijuana can help that in any way, shape, or form.
3: Well. Actually, the um, medical cannabis can help modulate the way your gut is actually responding to the inflammation that we caused by a problem like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. And so I would suggest that, yes, um, you could use those to help, but I would definitely look at the, uh, one of my favorites is the SIBO specific diet. Um, Alison Seebecker is a doctor that made that and it's a a great uh, four column PDF, green on the left, red on the right, stick to the left in the green and you'll be- really doing much better
2: and I think on that diet though it, it seems that gluten could be allowed but I don't understand. no,
3: no grains are on that diet at all
2: okay, okay no grains, none okay, none thank you,
3: you're so welcome okay
4: Who Oops, do we, have we go. go, I've got Barbara from Tampa on the line and then we'll go on off, well, since it is quiet right now Make her wait just a second, and I'll give the phone number on out to participate in the show here on WMNF Tampa, the Healthy Steps Show. You can call 813 239 Okay, Barbara, go for it.
9: Hi, good morning. Hi there. Hi, I'm sorry I missed the show last week. I bet it was really good. Um-
3: you can listen to it. You can head for the uh, podcast area on the WMNF.org site and listen to all the prior shows.
9: That's right. You're right. I forgot about that
0: because
9: um, <laughs> I must. It, it, I must say, like I was talking to a friend of my husband the other day, and he was telling me that his wife has cancer, and I asked her, had asked him that she gone to a medical marijuana doctor, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, no, she could never do that." Like it was like, the most horrible thing in the world because he's uh-huh. older, and I think he's very programmed that it's a it's like a, a devilish activity to, to take marijuana, so yes. you can't change people's mind. But you know that's just unfortunately the way a lot of people think, and and it just is like so criminalized that it makes makes you feel like if you you know you do that, you take you take medical marijuana or, or whatever, you're a bad person. But I don't
3: you know, that's think because that. it's, this is left over from white supremacy, racism. This is all designed to actually separate out a piece of the population and ostracize them.
9: Right. Right. So I appreciate you doing this show. And uh, I do want to say something about the people that have Parkinson's disease. If uh, aside from what you're suggesting, Stutera, it's a it's an oil on guard essential oil supplement. is really good for the tremors. Um, to just put some on your glands and then inhale it, it really uh, controls them. So I thought I would just put a little, put a little uh, thought on that on the show.
3: That's an interesting thought. I've not seen any research on, on those types of things. I've found very, very little research on the use of essential oils clinically, except for mild things like anxiety and such. Uh, it will be interesting to see more research come up on those. Thank you, Barbara. You're welcome. It works for
4: me. So I just wanted to throw that out there. There you go. Well, yeah, phone lines are as quiet as a, uh, a mouse in here, I guess.
3: All right. And so let me pick up a couple of uh, uh, um, emails from last time. Go for it. Um, Peter sent one said, thank you for this show um, and thank you for uh, uh, providing all this uh, uh discussion about cannabis um and while he says that while marijuana is of course, legal in florida has been hijacked by a few greedy corporations that have handpicked by the governor and his corporate friends to simply make huge profits that is the way the system tends to work in a fascist economy however um he also goes on to say that banning cannabis is like banning spinach they both grow out of the ground and both are good for you i totally agree and um, i think that uh, we need to continue to Um, uh, work towards rational use of these wonderful plants. And here's another one from Dennis. I've been using legal cannabis for two years. I have no doubt that it keeps me off pain meds, sleep aids, and possibly antidepressants. Um, This has been the most comprehensive discussion on cannabis I've heard in a long time. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, Head for the tip jar if you would, Dennis. That would be a great thing. Do we have any callers? Yeah, some
4: are trickling in right now. It looks like I've got a mark from Sarasota and the phone still ringing online, too. So let's go to Mark. Wonderful.
10: Thank you, Dr. Harvey. Good morning, Mark. Thank you. Good morning. Dr. Harvey, I, I, I missed the beginning of the show. My apologies. Um, That's OK. Tell me something. Where is your st- what is your stance with um, the marijuana issue? medical marijuana
3: issue? Well, I'm a, a certifying physician, and I believe that uh, medical cannabis is a really important uh, tool for us to be considering to use in, uh, a- across the board in many types of clients.
10: Okay. And how about like, um, so how is it, um, how is it, I, sm- I smoke weed for a long time, 30, uh-huh. 35 years. I, cur- I, do not, I currently don't. Um, it was for me strictly recreational. I have no difficulty, no problem with the whole medical issue, and I know things such as um, PTSD, uh, Parkinson's, other, other, other um, uh, MS. Um, I did healthcare for a long time. Well, what I'm getting to is that I understand the benefit the benefits of it. But I'm more concerned about either smoking it or vaporizing it or do you get the same effects like if you do the, if, if, if people take the gummies, um, or the or the high test C B D oil?
3: I mean, those are good questions. Um, and we're going to talk about the uh, types of uh, remedies and the way to use them on next week's show. But yes, um, uh, there are concerns with um, use. So sometimes um, uh, people are not really um, uh, aware of how potent the stuff is. For example, I read an article uh, last year about a gentleman who was 70 uh, something and had a previous heart attack. He went into a recreational cannabis store in Toronto. But Bought a 90 milligram pop, a lollipop, ate the whole thing because he had no instructions, had hallucinations, passed out, had nightmares, woke up with a heart attack, but survived to tell the story. So these things are not actually um, to be used uh, in those high doses recreational. This is the kind of stuff that wasn't available 30 years ago. So we have a lot of work to do to make a more rational system here because there's really no prescribing recommendations or anything yet available.
10: Correct. Um, I understand. The last, I'll leave you with this, is that um, what's your take on the, um, and I put this in quotations, the marijuana cure. When we talk about sobriety and we talk about um, um, programs where people were, were, were ha- are battling some type of addiction and they're treating it every day with a, with a, with a sober program. Um, you know, but I've recently seen people that have switched substances. Now they're smoking marijuana and I have to, to or they're vaporizing or the vape sticks or the gummies or the cookies or something. But yes. does that my question is, would you consider yourself sober after after eating after after ingesting some of the edibles?
3: No. No, you're you're definitely altered. But the thing is alcohol is well known to cause significant brain, liver, and other kinds of destruction in the body. And that's not been documented with cannabis. In fact, it seems to support the body. So yes. if you there's no, there's no drug that's going to cure an addiction. Um, and addiction is a process uh, to heal that is, is working on your inner demons and why, why you got to the need to self-medicate in the first place. But um, if you can reduce the Negative effects of alcohol by using cannabis, trading out one substance for another. In this instance, is a better choice, but it's not the cure for addiction.
10: That's what we used to talk about: alcohol versus weed. Alcohol versus
3: yeah. Well, it's we for for me knowing the the reality of it. It's weed over alcohol because alcohol causes so much damage to the system. It makes your brain dysfunction. Completely, it turns you into a cretinous fool <laughs> when you when you drink too much of it on a regular basis. And so, yeah, I, I I really think that the cannabis is a great tool to be used to help reduce these other addictions, but it's not the answer.
10: Well, as far as alcohol, and I haven't had a drink in a long time, but I smoked some weed not from a dispensary, maybe maybe ten years ago. Uh huh. It was psychedelic for me.
3: And yeah, well, the the weed has actually gotten much, much more potent, and from the dispensaries, we're seeing levels as high as thirty eight percent THC in some of the strains. This is really, really potent, considering it was three percent back in the seventies. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. So there's. Mark. No, there's no. Thank you. Nothing. Thank you for your input. Right. Okay, there.
4: I've All got. Right. Thank you there, Mark. Appreciate it, and I'm going to move on to Chris from Clearwater. Hey there, Chris. Good morning to you.
0: Well, good morning, Doctor. Uh, when it comes to COVID, uh, what do you think is the risk-to-benefit ratio for children and adolescents to get the COVID shots? And I ask because the push now with FDA and CDC to get children under 5, the COVID shots from Pfizer and Moderna. And um, I'm reading a lot of uh, you know the, the risks, of, according to the CDC, that children have a 99.997% recovery rate. And on uh, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough's um, podcast, April 4th, I learned of a study um, and that's uh, entitled, um, it's from March 26th, uh, <laughs> I Persistent Cardiac MRI Findings in a Cohort of Adolescents with Post-COVID-19 mRNA Vaccine Myopericarditis, and a 16-year-old um, had, of Chris, the parts, uh, Chris I do
3: understand I do understand these problems are out there. Um, I will remark that I do not believe that children are at enough risk for getting these shots, but um, there are a lot of people that do believe so. But I'm going to move on to the next caller because we're talking about cannabis today.
0: Oh, since you brought up COVID, I just thought I'd ask. And, and uh, check out Toby Rogers at uh, Substack.com. He has a lot of good info on it, too.
4: Sounds good there. Appreciate it, Chris. And yes, indeed, I've got uh, Kevin from St. Pete, Nancy from Sarasota, and Jim from St. Pete on the line. Hey there, Kevin.
0: Hello. Hi. I would like to echo the call to contact or replace our legislator in yes. effort to get uh, some alternative for alcoholism out there.
3: Yes. My current um, United States representative, Vern Buchanan, voted against the um, bill to um, remove um, uh, um, any kind of illegality for cannabis nationally. I can't believe that this man did it. He he voted for um, helping um, um, prevent uh, some sort of um, harm to pets somewhere last year, but he couldn't actually vote for uh, decrease of harm to humans. Uh, it's, it's, right. it's so bizarre. These people are absolutely from another planet. Please vote them out. I agree. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Thank you. I have an email here from last time. Um, a question about, um, does, are there any uh, studies on um, cannabis use in ADHD? And um, actually, yes, um, there is. And it looks like that uh, adult ADHD me- uh, symptoms can be mediated. Um, and um, also, uh, there's another study that showed that many people who have ADHD self-medicate with cannabis. So we need a better way of dealing with the brain dysfunction called ADHD that isn't really treated with Ritalin and these other things that simply patch symptoms. All righty. And I've got Nancy
4: here on the line. Appreciate your patience there, Nancy. Good morning.
11: Hi. Can you hear me okay?
4: Hello.
3: Yes, Nancy.
11: Okay, good. Thank you for your show. I appreciate your topic. Um, I am calling because I am a 58-year-old woman and I am living with my 92-year-old mother, And we have a few aches and pains, and uh, I'm looking at diet changes, less sugar and processed food, as you said. But I have anxiety and depression, and I take medicine for that. My mom also um, takes medicine uh, occasionally for anxiety. And I was just wondering what the benefits would be. Right now, I think when I turned 58, I started having cervical spine and lumbar nerve-related pain, serious pain, and um, I was wondering what you would think about the um, the CBD and, and how I should go about um, investigating that avenue for my mom and myself.
3: I think that the use of CBD for both of you would be wonderful because you both have some anxiety and it will help to reduce that. Uh, a small amount of THC with that could be helpful also. It's very calming to use a uh, a ratio of one to one, or even higher, ten um, to one CBD to THC for calming effect, and also for anti-inflammatory. Topical CBD can really be useful for those neck and back pains. But one of the uh, a better thing, I think, is actually going to an MAT muscle activation technique specialist, a personal trainer who can actually help you get out of the pain. I've watched so many people get out of neck and back pain using muscle activation technique. Look that one up online and find a local practitioner.
11: Thank you so much, doctor. I appreciate you. Will you tell exactly the best place to obtain um, good CBD uh, Um, products?
3: That's a good question. Good CBD. The the people that um, uh, have the Charlotte's Web strain and have patented that, they actually sell a very high quality product. Um, there are local dispensers. You, you can actually look for a, uh, a place that gives you a third party assessment of their product. It shows there's no toxins in it and it shows that it's actually the strength that's in the bottle. That I would look for.
11: Okay. And I thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye
4: bye. Okie-dokie there, and Jim from St. Pete. What have you got for us today, Jim? You can
3: actually look for a place to Jim. third-party
4: assessment of the product. Talk to Jim, you. turn off your radio. Uh, too late. We're going to go to Lori in Tampa. Hey there, Lori. Yes.
12: Hi.
2: Hi,
4: Lori.
12: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm 64 years old, and I'm healthy. I don't have blood pressure issues, but I my big issue is I have gastritis. Um, according to my gastro doctor about six or seven years ago. So about a year and a half ago, my husband and I went completely plant-based diet, the Dr. Greger book, How Not to Die. Um, Uh I have told my primary physician who embraces this whole diet thing also that I have chronic loose stools. Um, And she's like, that's fine, that's fine. But in my mind, I think there's something... Uh, that's not like agreeing with me. You know, we make sure we eat a lot of beans and fruits, vegetables, as much organic as possible. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you see going on here when someone has, I don't have normal stools. It's
3: uh, well, um, you're, you're obviously reacting to your diet and, um, there may be too many of one sort of chemical in there. Um, lectins are a big issue for the gut, um, and uh, so is gluten. Um, are you gluten-free?
12: I'm not gluten-free. I try to eat whole grains probably in mm. one piece a day of bread.
3: So, um, yes, the, um, um, the problem you're talking about actually happens to a lot of people who eat um, plant-based diet um, because they're getting a lot of fiber for one thing. Uh, but sometimes their, their gut doesn't tolerate the lectins. What's your blood type, by the way?
12: Uh, My blood type is O.
3: Oh, you're a meat eater. Um, The O type is the oldest uh, blood type, um, the paleo blood type. And so you might do well eating a diet like the Walls diet, where you're eliminating all grains and beans because your body doesn't like them.
12: Okay, that makes sense to me. I am, I should have added, I did not give up fish. I try to eat, you know, well-sourced fish about twice a week. Oh, good. But. But you, so you would recommend drop the beans and add a, a lean meat or chicken? I would,
3: I would drop, I would drop the, the grains and the beans and see how your belly feels and then maybe consider adding them back in one at a time. But the first thing, if you're having loose stools like that on a plant-based diet, I'd say get rid of gluten first.
12: Get rid of gluten. Okay. And that includes almond flour, things like that?
3: No, almond flour is not glutinous. Almond flour is uh, safe for the paleo and vegan diet.
12: What about rice and um, farro? Those are all considered...
3: Farro is actually wheat. It's gluten. Rice is also a grain. I would avoid grain for the moment and then slowly add them back in. Rice is the one I would add in first.
12: Okay, thank you. And beans, eliminate those and add those back in.
3: If you get results, yes. And if not, get a functional medicine doctor.
12: (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it.
4: Uh Uh-huh. Good points there. Got Alfredo from Lakeland on the line.
5: Hello, uh, doctor. Hi there. Uh, what is your name? Dr. Harvey. Dr. Harvey. Dr. Harvey. Uh, uh, and Concerning marijuana, I'm 70 years old. Yes. When I was in college, I smoked grass for two weeks. Uh-huh. And I stopped because it was good. It was good. You say it was 3% that at the time. It was good. We were. I was in Hobart College at Geneva, New York. Hobart and William Smith, and it was good. But I wasn't studying, so I I stopped, and I bought myself a case of sangria. (laughs) (laughs) Then they called me Alfie the Sangria Man. Uh,
3: Love it. I I have
5: uh, I have glaucoma. My doctor doesn't. Uh, 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 doesn't uh, I asked him once would uh, would he prescribe marijuana? He said no. He uses medication. He's not
3: well. Laney. Um, yeah, but your your doctor's probably not a, a a certifying doctor, so he can't certify you and recommend cannabis. You need to go to a a cannabis certifying doctor. And we do know that CBG, one of the other um, um, uh, plant phytocannabinols, um, actually has effect on glaucoma. And so um, you well, may still need to take now. the At this time I have, now I have
5: a cataract
3: okay, and but I this this cataract. CBD may help prevent further development of the cataract, but it can actually help with your um your glaucoma too, in addition to the medication he wants you to take
5: yeah I, I, that's what i that's what i think i mean you know i, I um my mother smoked has, has, has this nineteen forty eight she was 92 when she died, and she only died because she caught COVID in the hospital. Uh-huh. And she, got, she died of senility of the brain. It took her uh, from October 28th to till, uh, till fe- till May 5th of 2021. She died. Wow. May 5th. That's a
3: long I, course. Sorry I, about I, that.
5: I, I, we lived together for a long time. That's why I never really... And
3: uh, got married again, and um, So Alf, I think, Alfie, I think you would do well um, switching from sangria at age seventy to cannabis because um, you're yeah. not studying anymore. And yes, cannabis can inhibit your studies, but so can alcohol. Depends on when you're doing it and whether you're going to fill your day with it. Um, you know, an alcoholic can have trouble studying too. But again,
5: thanks, Alfie. I've never, I've never drank much.
3: Never. Good, okie dokie. That's a smart thing.
4: Alfie, I hate to be uh, brisk here, but I've got five more people on the line and 10 more minutes to do the show, so appreciate it. Let's go to Lynn uh, in Tampa. Good morning, Lynn. Hello. Hi there.
2: Hi. Thank you so much for doing the show, Dr. Harvey. I really appreciate it.
3: You're Uh, welcome, Lynn.
2: So I'm 65. I've been diagnosed with osteoporosis. Uh, since 2016, and uh, I don't like to take medication if I don't absolutely have to. But my doctor told me that I have severe osteoporosis. Now that my left femoral neck T score is minus three point yeah. zero, and so she. I'm not to- sure.
3: I'm not yeah. sure how cannabis helps um, osteoporosis. I don't know that there's much information on that.
2: Right, I'm I'm not actually asking about cannabis, I'm asking...
3: But that's what we're talking about today, so Lynn, I'm thanks okay. for the call, when we're talking osteoporosis, give me a call back and we'll talk about it. All right, and Susan from Aub-
4: Auburndale is on the line, our record holder for waiting here. Hey there, Susan.
2: Hey there. <coughs> Hi. I uh, missed the first part of the show and you probably already talked about it, but I was wondering what's your take on... Uh, uh, if, if you smoke it or are the edibles, is which which one
9: would be better?
3: That's a, a question that, that we're going to a- actually address next week, but um, it really depends on what's going on. And so next week I'm going to talk about delivery forms and, and what they might be good for.
2: Okay. Well, for, for uh, somebody that has a lot of, uh, uh, well, that was going to be one of my other questions was how hard is it to get a permit?
3: It's to- not hard at all. And we'll, we'll talk about that, um, getting the certification next week and about the uh, conditions that qualify you to get a certification so that we can go through all that information.
2: Okay, very good. Well, thank you. You've, uh, this is a great show. I appreciate you being on every week. I learn a Glad lot. Glad to help.
4: Yeah, and I hope you come on back to the airs next week, Susan. You take care uh-huh. now. And I've got Gwen from Tampa on the line and six more minutes to go. Hey there, Gwen.
6: Good morning.
9: Uh, Hi. Dr. Fred, I was wondering
6: if you could, in a thumbnail, just tell me what what zinc, Z-I-N-C, is that a good vitamin?
3: Well, zinc is a mineral, and zinc is good for lots of things. It runs lots of enzyme systems, but this week we're talking about um, cannabis, so I'm gonna go to the next caller. Thank you, Gwen. Uh, Okay.
4: Okay, and the next caller would be Peter from Palm Harbor. Hey there, Peter.
1: Hi there. Hi, Dr. Harvey. How are you today? Good day. Uh, I'll make it quick. Uh, For uh, skin cancer, uh, RSO, uh, and I I was looking at a few things last night, and I saw that um, um, a strain with very high um, CBD and low THC, which is not the way I usually go, that, that gets rave reviews. It, it, it's hard to pick the correct strain is what I'm saying. So
3: um, It really yeah. is. Um, and and it's since we don't really study it that well yet, we don't know exactly ratios um, which are going to be the most beneficial for different conditions. But it does make sense that higher CBD would be more effective on a skin cancer since it's peripheral to the central nervous system. And there'd be higher levels of CB2 receptors there and the CBD would then be more active there. That would make sense to me. We'll talk more about these delivery systems next week, too.
1: Right. Yeah, so, uh, not to belabor it, but, um, yeah, I, I've used uh, RSO, and it works tremendously. And I mean, you know, two or three days later, it's gone. So it's miraculous.
3: Interesting, yes. It's right, amazing I, stuff.
1: I won't hold you up. Thanks for your time and show. Thank you, sir. Thank,
3: Thank you, Peter.
4: Yes, and still going down the line, I've got Tim from St. Pete on the line.
3: Hi, Tim.
13: Hi, uh, hey, uh, uh, cannabis and uh, THC, and uh, uh, I got an addictive personality. My wife, same thing. Um, I smoked a lot. Uh, I think my others were saying, you know, back in uh, high school, college, many years beyond. Finally, quit because I was just smoking every day, taking up my day, and uh, so now my wife uh, takes it, and uh, she can't, you know, comes home from work and she just smokes until bedtime, goes to bed, smokes for an hour before going to sleep, wakes up in the middle of the night. If she can't sleep, smokes some more. Um, We travel somewhere. First thing, she's got to get some. You know, I mean, she also uh, has a big glass of bourbon and such uh, and some anxiety meds. But so I only really drink uh, beer, you know, four or five a day, probably too many. But um, I'm just worried about picking up another addiction. Uh, and so I wonder if you could talk about that. Now, you're, you being a prescribing yeah. doctor, maybe not the exact right person to ask, but in general, uh, can, what can you tell me about addictive? Uh,
3: I would, I would hope that a certifying doctor is the right person to ask about whether something they're certifying for is addictive or not. And yes, um, I am trained in this, and no, it is not addictive. It may be psychological, uh, psychologically habituating, but it's not addictive. There's no physiologic dependence like there is with alcohol, benzodiazepines, and um, uh, opiates. And so um, if someone is using alcohol... And benzodiazepines on a regular basis, I would suggest that they need to have some sort of other intervention and therapy to figure out why it is they're self-medicating so much. And adding to that, the perils of, of multiple chemicals uh, does not make much sense. I'd say find a f- good functional medicine doctor to get um, some treatment there.
4: Okay, we're looking at about two more minutes. And I don't know if you want to address any
3: of the emails or anything. Sure. Um, there's a uh, um, uh, someone, Someone's thanking me for harping about the perils of alcohol. Um, I helped someone totally quit by talking about it. Uh, and that's a great thing. And actually, uh, the legal uh, natural highs like running, meditation, yoga, gardening, uh, these things are all fabulous. And that would, that's what I believe is the foundation for having a beautiful life. Add the cannabis if you need to, but start with great diet, Outdoor exercise, meditation, uh, relaxing stress relief like yoga, and gardening. Have at it. And next week, we'll talk about delivery systems and different types of things and how to get it, where to get it, conditions, all that.
4: Sounds great, Dr. Harvey. And I want to thank you for another wonderful show. And until next Monday at 10 o'clock, I want to thank all of our listeners and tell them, take care, stay healthy. And Clark, you're the greatest. Thanks for doing the phones. Thank you, Clark. You've been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on up now is your five-minute NPR news brief, and then we'll present sustainable living, hosted by the well-tuned team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Our guest today is Jim, the human planter, Kovaleski, here to talk to us about market gardening and growing vegetables in Central Florida. Until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved.
2: Live from NPR